Um, I, I usually talk to preteens. I have the opposite problem. It's like if you hear a pin drop, you think something's wrong. Have they like what's going on? Usually, there's all this chatter in the background. But um, I'm excited to be here with you guys today, talking to adults. And there's always a few extra nerves when I talk to adults for some reason. I, I'm used to talking to younger people. Um, but this is a topic that has, what I'm going to talk about today is a topic that comes up with people of any age, I realize. And uh, it's something that we're really emphasizing with our preteens right now. It's something that I emphasize when I talk to other moms, especially new moms, who maybe just have babies and are feeling kind of alone right now. And uh, the topic that I'm going to talk about today is called disconnection. And we're in a series right now called Accidentally Sometimes on Purpose. And I'm going to be challenging the accidentally sometimes on purpose disconnection that a lot of us face. And so while I was prepping for this sermon... Um, this sermon is largely based out of Carrie Newhoff's book, which is called Didn't, Didn't See It Coming. It's a super good book if you've never read it. I've read it before, and I was excited when I found out that we were doing a sermon series off this. And, um, and so, but I just wanted to freshen up um, and read over the chapter that I was going to speak on today. And so I was trying to, you know, multitask and make best use of my time. Um, I go to, I do this thing called Lifeline, which some of you guys know about. I'm looking at some friendly faces in the audience. And normally, my dear Heather Sigelko um, goes to Lowe's and Fishes bright and early and saves a spot for the two of us so that um, I can come in a little bit later and get some other stuff done before I have to come to the warehouse where we pick up a bunch of food and we give it to the students at Barsby, John Barsby High School and at Bayview Elementary. So this happens a few times a week and Heather is always there nice and early and, um, and I thought this time she was going to be at the school first, we are having hot dog day, and I was going to go there by myself and I thought, oh, I'll make the best use of my time being by myself, I'll bring this book and I'll just read over the chapter and doing. Well, lo and behold, there was one other person inside um, the waiting area who was also waiting to go and do the shop for, for her organization. And she was a beautiful senior lady and just sitting there. And I just smiled at her, sat down, opened my book, which I feel like is sometimes a bit of a sign, like I'm going to do something, but maybe not. And so I started opening my book and start reading. And then she looks over my shoulder and goes, what are you reading? And I, uh, anyway, she was so cute. And I was like, oh, I'm reading the book. Didn't see it coming. Um, I'm speaking at uh, my church on Sunday. And I didn't know if she was of faith background or not. And um, all of a sudden, she's like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, and she starts sharing with me a little bit about her faith journey. She was raised Roman Catholic. Um, she had had some negative experiences there. And now she d goes to somewhere else where they just call themselves spiritual. And, um, and, and she's exploring this new spirituality. And so I, I was like, oh, that's cool. So she asked me, she wanted to know more. Well, what are you speaking on? I was like, well, I'm speaking on one of the chapters in this book um, called Disconnection. She's like, well, what do you mean by that? I was like, well, <laughs> um, disconnection, that's kind of like, you know, us facing um, what's going on in our culture right now, the issues of, like, isolation and loneliness and all those topics. Like, that's what I mean. And so, um, I, and she goes, oh, wow, that's a good topic. That needs to be talked about. And I was like, oh, okay, like, that's, that's I'm glad you think so. Um, and so, anyways, I, I still have my book open and my finger on the line. And um, just start reading a little bit more. And then she goes, 
do you know what? That makes me think of something. I was like, really? And she's like, yes. Do you know what? These phones, these phones, I, I tell you, they're good for some things, but not good for other things. My daughter, who lives um, not on the island, on the lower mainland, she is lonely. Let me tell you, she's lonely. And I think it's because of this thing. Because do you know what she does? She does not um, call me. She texts me. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we, we do that sometimes. <laughs> and so anyway, she was quite cute. But she was like, no, I tell her, I don't want you to only text me. I want to hear your voice. I want you to call me. And, um, and I was like, okay, you know what? You are shedding some light on something right now. My parents tell me that all the time. And I'm like, why do they keep saying that? Like, I text them. Isn't that enough? Um, <laughs> Apparently not. And so she goes on to say, you know, she's like, no, there's no emotion in the text message. I'm like, but we have emojis. <laughs> she thought that was silly. And <laughs> she was like, yeah, no, you just can't feel the same way with the text message as you can with their voice. And if you can't see them in person, you at least want to hear their voice. I'm like, hmm, this is very valid. Huh. Anyways, so then I realized at this point, my book is still on my lap, and it is still open, and I still have a pen in hand ready to highlight, but this is, there's no highlighting going to be done in this, mo in this waiting area. For the 20 minutes that we had together, this woman, um, wonderful woman, opens up, you know, asking about what I do for a living, sharing about what she does for a living, asking about um, my family, if I have any kids. When I told her that I have a 15-month-old son, she said, do you have any pictures? And I was like, sure. Like, I love showing pictures of my kid. <laughs> so I pulled out my phone, and I started showing her pictures, and she wanted to see more and to see more and little videos. And then she opened up and expressed. Um, her heart, how she had wanted to be a grandmother, but had never had that desire met, and her kids were too old now, and uh, for her to be a grandmother, and she starts opening up over her, about her life and her family, and she starts sharing about marriages that she had been in and that had ended, and the current relationship that she's in right now, and um, and how she had ended up there, and this woman just she gave she opened up such a piece of her in that waiting area, and she wanted to know more about me and um, I don't usually go that deep that fast with strangers in a waiting area but um, it just was happening so naturally and um, and anyways and then she after she tells me her hard times and why she doesn't want to get married again says to me and and you're married and I said yes I'm married okay well I hope you have yourself a good one and um, and I know she was looking to like that was a you know a statement but a question and I'm like yes sweetie don't worry I have myself a good one a very good one and so you know and I start sharing about how we met together me and my husband met. And so anyways, then all of a sudden, deep in conversation, we get interrupted and the Lows and Fishes staff says, um, hey, it's time you can go and, you know, search for your food. And so I, I just said, well, I guess this is goodbye. And she's like, we told each other it was really nice talking to each other and we went on our way. I didn't even catch her name. She didn't even ask mine. But I, 
<laughs> but before she left, she said, I'm sorry you didn't get any work done and you weren't able to get any research for your, your project <laughs> or whatever she called it, <laughs> done. And I looked at her and I said, that's okay. Do you know what? I think you gave me a little bit more than that, um, than I would have gotten from this book. And sitting there inside that waiting room with a stranger who just had known me for less than 20 minutes and opens up about her life and wants to deeply know about mine, uh, just gave me the real sense and affirmation that, yes, do you know what? Every single one of us, every single, it doesn't matter what age you are, every single one of us have a deep, wired need built inside of us from our creator that is meant for human connection. And counterfeits just don't do it. So this deep need for connection is what makes the state of our current culture so upsetting right now. Uh, maybe you've already heard of this, as it has been getting a lot more attention in the news lately, um, in books, um, blog articles, social media right now has drawn attention to this. But it's actually, in our culture right now, loneliness is actually considered an epidemic. It is sky high right now. Isolation, loneliness, and disconnection, they are plaguing our culture, and they're on a, on the, it's on the rise at a rapid rate. Psychologists and neuroscientists and doctors, they've all been studying this, and it's been bringing all sorts of concerns to them because the effects of loneliness, is it, it's a weighty cost. So there's effects, we know of the effects that it's had on people's mental health, the increase in anxiety and depression, which has led to, to suicide rates being higher. We also know now that it's caused huge physical ailments in people. And so loneliness has been linked to dysfunctional immune systems, increased blood pressure, heart disease. Um, it's increased the rate for premature mortality of people of all ages. It's increased our blood pressure, our cardiovascular problems, and it's caused sleep deprivation, and the list goes on and on. So there's no, it, it makes sense as to why this has gained so much traction lately. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a neuroscientist, and um, she does a lot with, she majors in neuropsychology. Um, she says, on an emotional level, humans need deep and meaningful relationships in order to help develop their identity and to help them thrive. We need to take loneliness very seriously. So in this series that we're in accidentally, I'm going to be talking about how some of us have gotten to be accidentally disconnected. And maybe some of us right now are feeling like we don't know how we got here, but we are those people who are accidentally disconnected. And if you're not the people that are accidentally disconnected right now, hopefully some things that we talk about today will help prevent you from getting there. And so... Um, <coughs> In Carrie Newhoff's book, I shouldn't cough into a mic. I'm so sorry to anyone that uses this after me. Never mind you guys who had to listen to that loudly. <laughs> I didn't, oh, dear. <laughs> mic etiquette. They don't teach you that in Bible college. <laughs> and 
And uh, anyways, in, in, <laughs> in Kerry Newhouse's book, um, he, he actually does a talk about this, a sermon, and a lot of the stuff that I have is kind of pulled from there and a few different other places. Um, but in his, he shares some statistics that I found really interesting. I love math, and I don't get to use it very much in my job other than budgeting. And so as soon as someone's like, statistics, I'm like, sign me up. I want to know more. And um, anyways, I made Edgar sit down and listen to my statistics yesterday because I said, I need to know that other humans find this interesting or is it just me? And so anyways, if you don't find this interesting statistics, I apologize. Blame it on my husband. He said it was okay. (laughs) But some of the statistics, there's been a study done of over 2,000 people in North America. And this study showed that 50% of people feel alone or left out. Some of or all of the time. 50% of people. That would mean that half of you in this room, statistically, are probably feeling alone or left out some of or all of the time. And just so you know, that does not exempt married people. You can be in a marriage and you can feel very alone and you can feel very isolated. And according to these stats, it didn't matter if you're single or married, 50% of people feel that. 54% says no one knows them very well. No one knows them very well. That includes married people again, the people that you live with, your family. No one knows them very well. 40% of people say that their relationships are not meaningful. 40%. That's so many people feel like their relationships aren't meaningful. Again, it's under half, but that's still pretty high. And again, it includes people in marriages. In another study that he showed us, done out of the UCLA, they studied that the various generations and how the rate of loneliness compared against each other. And so they used a scale 20 to 80, 20 being very connected, they're doing awesome, and 80 being um, like, oh my goodness, they're completely isolated, they talk to no one and are just, um, you know, out alone like awful, the worst it can possibly be. And so in this study, Generation Z, which is people from 10 years old to around the early 20s, raise your hand if you're Generation Z. I'm looking this way because I feel like you got some over here. Okay, we got, oh, there we go. Got some Generation Zs. Okay, awesome. We love you, Generation Zs. So in his study, Generation Zs, it says that they scored a 48.6 out of the 80, which is considered hyper-lonely, and this is the most, out of all the different generations, the youngest generation identified with being the most lonely and isolated. Okay? We love you, Generation Z. We love you. Next up is the millennials. Raise your hand if you're a millennial. Anyone millennials? Yay! I'm a millennial. There we go. There's some people. Okay, millennials. You guys rated at 45.3. You are the next level up. From, from the Generation Z. So we are a little bit less lonely, but still lonely. Um, generation Zex, X, sorry, Zex. Zex is not a word. Generation X. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're Generation X. There we go. There we go. There's some of you. I think Darcy's Generation. Are you Generation? Yeah, okay. There we go. Guess what? This was really interesting to me. You guys didn't even make it on this study. <laughs> People forgot about you again. <laughs> 
I don't know what it's like to be that generation, but apparently they're the generation that gets forgotten about. So you didn't make the study. I don't know where you land. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Who knows? <laughs> maybe you guys didn't show up. I don't know. <laughs> so next is <laughs> the baby boomers. Raise your hand if you're a baby boomer. Okay. Wow, we got lots of boomers in the house. That's awesome. We also, sorry, I didn't do shout outs to millennials. We love you, millennials. We love you, Generation X. We love you, baby boomers. We love you all. Baby boomers, you scored 42.4, okay? Which means that, again, you are less than the millennials, okay? And then age 72 plus. Raise your hand if you are age 72 plus. I don't know why your, your generation doesn't have a name, but um, 72 plus. I still feel like that's, you know, baby boomer ish. Awesome. So you guys, according to this study, scored 38.6, which makes you the least lonely out of everyone. Yay. So I don't know. There's no prize for this, but it's just very interesting to me. When I saw this statistic, I actually was struggling quite a bit understanding it because it says, according to this, the older you are, the more connected you are and the less lonely you are compared to the younger generations. That's what it's saying, right? The younger generations are considered the ones that are the most tech savvy and identify with being on, the on their phones or electronics the most. In fact, it's 95% of the Gen Zers, um, are, are, they're on their phones 90 daily, they're on their phones daily 95% of the time. So they're, you know, they're with technology a lot, and yet, even though they have access to connection, they're feeling the most isolated. And then you, here you have these seniors, and even though they are considered the least lonely out of all of us, I remembered back to this fall when I was in a study or I was in a group with pastors and board meters, leaders and things like that, and they brought up an alarming statistic. I don't remember the exact number, and I lost my booklet, but we all said it multiple times. Um, it was upwards of 90% of the people who choose medical assisted in dying do so not because of physical pain, but because of isolation and not wanting to be a burden to their families. That is not okay. That is not okay. That sent chills down our bodies. We talked about it as a staff. We talked about it as a church. This problem of isolation does not exempt you no matter what age you are, no matter what generation you are, and no matter what marital status you are. It plagues our culture, and you may feel like it is plaguing you. This is something that we have to look into. It's something that we have to be proactive about for our own lives and for for the lives of the people around us. We have to get our sense of community back. We have to fight for a sense of a community, to fight this sense of isolation that so many of our people, doesn't matter what age you are, are up against. It's something that we all could battle or do battle. And it's, it's interesting because Carrie Newoff points out we've never been more connected as a culture, but yet we've never felt so alone. We've never been more connected, meaning that we've never had accessibility to so many different people to converse with with at different times. If you're a parent, you can get a hold of your kid almost any time of day. You know, if you're a spouse, you don't have to wait until they're home from work to ask them a question. You just send them a text. You know, if you are, um, you know, a friend and you stay up too late and you want to talk to your other friend, you could do so, you know, texting or insting or snapping until like 3 a.m. if you want to. We have access to people all the time in this way, yet it is not meeting a deep felt need that is inside all of us. 
And in fact, um, it, some would say communication has never been easier, but the more communication we seem to have, the less connection we seem to have. So I don't want to sit here and point a finger at technology because um, technology, I don't think, is the whole problem here. It just probably makes it easier to disconnect. It makes it easier to, you know, go on your phone and scroll and scroll and scroll. But it's not the whole problem. If you've ever lived away from a family member, I live away very far from my family. They're in Manitoba, most of them. And being able to FaceTime them is awesome, you know, instead of, you know, just having to write a letter in the mail and hope it gets to them three weeks later. And so technology isn't the issue. Uh, completely, it may just magnify and amplify some of the issues that we already are struggling with as a people. And um, <clears throat> so what's the solution? I believe the antidote to isolation is to foster deep and meaningful connection. Foster deep and meaningful connection. Loneliness may be the epidemic of our culture, and connection is its antidote, meaning connection is the medicine for it. Because real connection leads to a sense of belonging. It leads to an assurance of love. And this is what gives people hope. This is what gives people life. And this is what fights against isolation. And you know what, guys? Isolation is a fight that is worth fighting against. There's a working definition um, that Dr. Henry Cloud, he's a guy who wrote Boundaries and a bunch of other books. He wrote a recent one called People Fuel, which is apparently really good. I haven't read it yet. Um, I'm reading one of his other books right now, but loving people well. But he says a heart-to-heart, his working definition of connection is a heart-to-heart attachment that goes beyond knowing about someone and actually knowing that person. We are not really connected until the heart comes into play. We are not really connected until the heart comes into play. And like we said, no one plans to become isolated and disconnected. However, many of us are either there or will end up there some point in our life. This has been a, something that I have battled through for several different seasons of my life at different times. People never think that because um, I'm such a people person, but... There's been seasons that have been very low and very lonely for different reasons. When I was a kid, there was lots of stuff in my home that was hard that my family was walking through. There was lots of fighting and things like that. And it was actually my older sister, who was nine years old at the time, who led me to Jesus at four years old. And the selling point for me, this is all it took, was she said, yes, she told me he would forgive me of my sins. Yes, he told me, you know, all those things. But what she told me was, Chantel, he will be the friend that will never leave you or forsake you. And as a four-year-old, I had felt deep loneliness. And to me, that sounded like the, I'd want, that was the best thing I could ever hear. If there's someone who's going to never leave me or forsake me, I want him. Sign me up. Sign me up. And that's what brought me to Jesus. Different seasons of my life, again, starting out in ministry, um, everyone warned me when I started out on win- ministry, they say, um, leadership is lonely. Leadership is lonely. And, you know, everything's new and exciting. And I, I listened to that thinking, okay, leadership is supposed to be lonely. 
And that's like what I told myself. And I think I ended up in a spot that was very lonely, not because I meant to get there, wanted to get there or anything, but because I thought I, um, I didn't really have a choice. And so when it came to ministry, I loved learning about other people and helping other people. Um, but I really struggled to let other people in. In fact, I don't think I let anyone in. I think I made a counseling appointment once, um, and I told the counselor, I need to talk to you. Um, really, I don't even know if it's you I need to talk to. I think I just need a friend, and I just don't know who to talk to. So I'm, instead, I'm going to pay this counselor to talk because I just need to let some things out, you know? And, um, you know, I made repairs in that area in my life. It was a couple years into ministry, and I just felt blah. I'm like, I'm a people person who works with people all the time, and I feel like no one actually really knows me and what's going on. I don't have anyone that I could tell when big struggles in my life were happening, when my family was going through something, when I you know, was up against a huge storm, and I just I felt so isolated, not because I needed to be, but because I bought into a lie that I should be. And um, it was out of that place that I, you know, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm sure I'm not the only lonely person. My, I had a couple sisters that I talked to on the phone who were in Manitoba at the time, and they were stay-at-home moms. One was on mat leave, and the other one was just staying at home with her kids for a long time. And they were always lonely, too. And then I thought to myself, okay. And I wasn't a mom at the time. I wasn't even married at the time. And I said, I'm not a mom, but it seems like this is a, a demographic of people that can be really susceptible to loneliness. So I thought about who was in my life, and I thought about the, mo- the young moms I, ha- I had, the new moms. And I picked one in particular, and I said, hey, and I just said up front, I really need to work on being a better friend. I don't even feel like I have friends. And I love people. I just don't know how to let people in sometimes. And I've always, you know, just admired you and respect you. I'm just wondering if you want to go for a walk sometime. And through that, she said yes. And we have been walking, you know, together for the last, like, six-plus years. And we walk together often, and we walk through the birth of her first baby, and the birth of her second baby, and the birth of her third baby, and then the birth of my baby, and then our babies are close together, and now we walk with our babies. And it's just been a beautiful friendship, and that friendship just actually helped anchor me to then realize, Chantelle, it's okay, you're in leadership, but you're human, (laughs) and you need to open up to people. You need people in your life that you can open up to. Now, unfortunately, I think I've swung the other direction, and (laughs) sometimes I feel like I make up for lost time. Once you get into, like, my, like, oh, I trust you, then I'm like, blah, blah, blah. and then after I say it, I'm like, I can't put that back in. How do I put that back in, <laughs> you know? Um, but if I'm going to err on one side, I'd rather err on that side because it doesn't feel the same as when I was on the other side. And I tell our students all the time at Project 68, our preteens, I tell them, you were never meant to do life alone. You were never meant to do life alone. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you were never meant to do life alone. <laughs> you guys are, are quiet or have deep voices. Like, I can't hear you. I don't know. Anyways, you were never meant to do I make preteens do that. It, 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 you, know, you try to tell if they're paying attention to you that way. Um, <laughs> you were never meant to do life alone. And I think sometimes we can over-spiritualize this because we can think, no, all we need is Jesus. And you know what? Jesus is... Jesus is who he is. He is all sufficient. He is all we need. He meets our greatest needs. He is our source and he is provider. But God 
has actually made you this way. So it's not your fault. It's not something to be ashamed of that you actually need other human beings. And if you think I'm wrong, you could just look at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2 where God made Adam. And then what did he say to Adam? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And that is why he created Eve. So even though Adam had God, God still said, it is not good for man to be alone. And I'm going to make a companion for you. That means from the very beginning of time, we were meant to connect with God, and we were meant to connect with people. And that is who we are, that is in every single one of our DNAs, and no one is an exception to that. So why do we cut ourselves short? I love when I get to look through the Bible, and... um, and I see Jesus, and this always just stands out to me. I, I think that he was like the ultimate connector. Um, because when he did miracles throughout the Bible, he didn't just like, um, you know, go into a big crowd of people and say, any of you sick, raise your hand. You're healed. Move on to the next crowd. It's like he never seemed to do miracles like that. No. With the, the miracles that are recorded are one where there's this woman with the issue of blood who's like totally ashamed and shouldn't be around people. And she goes and she, in desperation, clings to Jesus' coat. And then Jesus has this moment with her. He goes out looking for her. First of all, who touched me? Who touched me? And he stops and has this moment with her to have this intimate, personal connection with her, to give her value and validity, to connect on a human level, and he has that moment with her before he sends her off healed. She was already healed, and he still sought out the personal connection moment, okay? Jesus does this with the woman at the well. When he's at the well, he went and talked with her, met with her, and everyone else would have been ashamed to be around her, Who knows what it would have flared up? Yeah, he didn't care. He wanted to connect with her. And then there's the blind man where he goes and he touches the eyes and heals the blind. And if you read throughout the scriptures, when the six people and the leopards, the leopards that, you know, you can catch what they have, he went and he laid hands on them and healed them. Our God is the author of connection. He is the author of connection. And this connection is what actually brings true life transformation. It's the connection that brings true life transformation. And our God is a God who has wired us to experience that life, true life transformation through him and through others. A lot of you are going to experience the goodness of God, the provision of God through the people around you. A lot of you are going to experience the plans of God because of the people that God has placed in your life right now. God is bigger. He, want, he wants to get a hold of all of our lives, and he wants to get a hold of our friendships. He wants to get a hold of our relationships, and he wants us to connect, to truly connect with him and with his creation. I have forsaken my notes very badly. <laughs> we will see where this ends up. But I have um, a few tips for um, the keys when I was reading through, um, you know, Dr. Caroline Leaf's stuff, and I was reading um, through Carrie Newhoff's stuff, and I was reading um, through, um, there's another book, Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. She has so much to say about this topic. But um, just a couple keys that kept coming up was a key to connection is making room for margin. A lot of us would want connection. We just don't know how to do it. But 
where a starting place will be is creating margin in our lives. And I don't want to be redundant, but if you look at Pastor, I really highly check out, <laughs> really highly tell you to check out Pastor Ryman's sermon from last week where he talked about burnout and he talks about um, having boundaries with your time and with technology. And I just encourage you to listen back to that because so much of being able to connect comes from having margin in your life. Think about it for a second. When we are so busy and we are so rushed, all of a sudden those people interrupt that come our way, they itch. when there's no margin in our schedule, it, goes, it just makes it irritating. Like, oh, I don't have time for this. You know, I was rushing from the bathroom, you know, to here um, before I had to be on stage. And I'm thinking, hope no one gets in my way because I don't have time for this. You know, <laughs> when we don't have margin, we view those people as interruptions. The same, I, I, you know, when think about it. If you are married or in a relationship and you are so busy after work and trying to get supper on the table and all this stuff. And if you are still running off adrenaline and haven't had time to come down off that you know all of a sudden if your spouse makes some like flirty pass at you and like it whips you with the detail or I don't know what you do in your kitchen but <laughs> you know tries to dance with you while the you know the stew's cooking you're gonna view that as really irritating if 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 there's no margin in your day and if you're just like this we literally have 12 minutes to make this and then we have to get out the door but that margin makes room for the connection it happens with kids. I see it all the time with, with kids. And now that I have my own, it's totally the same. And it started young. But Mateo, oh my goodness, that kid, he is like, I swear, since like he was three months old, he saw me brought out this phone and he would go like this, swat it away. And people tried to tell me like, no, I don't think he's swatting it away. I think he's reaching for it. I'm like, no, that kid has better aim than that. Like he doesn't want me to look at my phone. And it was like this practice and presence with him. And, um, and whenever he was in a funk, it was like where we couldn't fix him. We're just like, why is he in such a bad mood? I don't know what to do. The only thing that would solve it was when Edgar and I got down to his level and we went on the ground and we played with him on the ground. Well, it's really hard to do that if you don't have margin in your schedule. You know, because then it's just like, this is annoying. Kid, just snap out of it. I don't have time for this. I can't deal with this. But margin makes room for connection, especially for the people we love. And um, another key to connection is margin makes room for meaningful conversations. And you're like, huh? Like, of course. No, but really, think about it. How quick are a lot of our conversations with people? Hey, how are you? Literally, I have this conversation, I don't know how many times in a week. Hey, how are you? Good, fine, good, how are you? Good, okay. Like, I'm still walking, I don't even stop. And I think to myself, do you think they're really gonna open up to you while you were walking in the opposite direction? Like, they would have really had to drop a landmine, been like, my dog just died. And then I'd be like, what? Like, come back to them. But so much of, you know, because we're in a rush or we're in a hurry, we don't get to the point where we can actually sit down and have meaningful conversations with people this guy is having a meaningful conversation and um and and it's in those meaningful conversations though that people get to to get into your life that you get to get to get into their life where we get to we, it's not enough to you know notify the world about your feelings through a social media update it is not enough so many of us do that as a replacement for connection and it is not enough you will be looking for as many likes as you can possibly get or as many comments as you can, and it'll never meet the need that you actually need to have that human connection and that human interaction. 
And so we need to make room for meaningful conversations. And maybe that's sitting down with your family around your table for dinner, which has become a little bit of a lost art, apparently, in our culture. A lot of people don't do it anymore. Um, but a pedi- um, I was at a mom's group on mat leave, and the nurse said at the mom's group um, that she was at her conference, and there was pediatricians talking at the conference, and she couldn't even give us the background in it. She could just say this one point about the conference that you could tell was really riveting to her. The pediatrician said, the best thing that you can do for your kids is sit down and have supper with them. The best thing you can do for your kids is sit down and have supper for them. And he was saying it out of a place of we're losing that as a culture. We're losing that time to connect as a culture, to connect with our kids, to connect with our family. Because it's usually over the dinner table that people start to open up. And we really start to get to know others. And, um, <clears throat> and our last key to connection is meaningful conversations. They make room for confession and for being vulnerable. Some of you are like, whoa, wait, you had me until the confession part and the vulnerable part. I don't really like that part. And no, we don't really like that part in our culture. Um, and if you look at this, this scripture, James 5, verse 13 to 16, Carrie Newhoff actually pointed out some things for me just in a new way while I was listening to him. And it says, are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. Are there any sick among you? Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. When you read that part sick, a lot of the times we think for the person, you know, that is battling that physical ailment, that medical diagnosis. And it may include that, but... This passage, if you look at the Greek, it actually includes a lot more than that. It actually means for any of you suffering, for any of you wrestling with something, are any of you battling something? Are any of you going through a really hard time? Are any of you going through a really dark season? Whatever that dark season may be in, you may be, you know? Are some of you going through a great loss right now? Did any of you just lose a parent? Did any of you just lose a brother? Did any of you just lose, you know, a a job that you really wanted? Did any of you just give in to an addiction that has had you for years? Did any of you just lose your marriage? Did any of you, you know, struggle, um, you know, with your kids and you fight all the time? There's yelling in your home all the time. Any of you, you can fill in the blank. But those of you who are wrestling, those are you who are suffering. He says, come and go to the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This passage says to do the exact opposite what is human nature to do. Because what is human nature to do when we go through hard times, when we go through you know, shameful events in our lives, when we go through grief, our response is to run the other direction. Our response is to withdraw. Our response is to go away and we want to hide. It happens to us all the time. It happened back in the book of you know, Genesis and Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, they went and they hid. They were afraid. And you know, shame enveloped them. 
It happens to us too. Yet he, this verse is saying, come out. Go to the elders of the church. And you know what? Back then, churches were very small. They are like home churches. So I'm not saying, you now need to come to Chantel, and you need to tell me what's going on. And I'm going to, no, it's not Chantel. You need to come to your believing family. You need to come to other brothers and sisters who are going to hold you up in prayer, who are going to lift you up. And, um, and when you come, then it says, <clears throat> oops, then it says, um, and the prayers of faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they had committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. Then pray for one another to be instantly healed, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Meaning the prayer of faith will help those things that you are struggling with. The prayer of faith of your fellow believers, the prayer of faith of your good family and friends, the prayer of faith of those who want to lift you up when you feel like you can, are going to fall down. The prayer of faith which can bring healing to those things. And sometimes it's going to bring transformation to the circumstance that otherwise you would never know. And some, but even if that circumstance, you have to wait for a long time to happen, it will still bring transformation because transformation happens when you let the darkest parts of your heart come out of the dark and bring them into the light. That's when transformation happens. And you are met with people who love you and connect with you and will hold you up in prayer. That is when transformation happens, which is complete opposite of how we are raised to deal with our shame, to deal with our sin, to deal with our struggles, to deal with our addiction. It's the complete opposite. We just want to hide it. But I want to tell you, if you are some of the people that are wrestling with some of those things right now, do yourself a favor and bring it into the light choose wisely who you bring it into the light to but some of your healing may not come until it is brought into the light and it may be as you know a sin or something like that or it may be just a medical diagnosis that you found out about or a mental health diagnosis that you found out about but whatever it is you were not meant to do that part alone you were not meant to journey with that burden on your shoulders alone and if you bring it into the light you bring it out of the secret and you don't let shame control you you can experience healing from it and God wants you to experience healing from him, but he will often use other people to help bring you there. He'll often use, help people to bring you there. So in a culture that has never been easier to pretend that everything was okay, we have social media updates, look at me, I'm, I don't know, doing something cool, speaking, like, you know, I won't tell you the stress I went through to get here, Boo! won't tell you about my PowerPoint crashing and Ryan having to save my life, Boo! but anyways, whatever it is, we, we tend to put all the highlights on there, and that's all we see is we see people's highlights, and then we compare, Stephen Furtick says it this way, we compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel, Meaning that, you know, we're like, oh, my life's a lot harder than that. I'm walking through this right now. But wow, look at them. Their house is always clean and white. No, they took a picture of one corner of their house that's clean and white. The rest of it probably isn't, okay? You know, but that's what we see and that's what we compare. And that fuels the shame. And that makes us want to hide. And that makes us want to withdraw. But that's not the way that God designed us. 
He designed us and he tells us that we need to share each other's burdens, share each other's burdens. We need to let others help carry the load with us. And he also says in Romans, we need to be happy with those who are happy, with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Meaning that when you let people in to the hard parts, guess what? You don't get to be in the hard parts alone anymore. But guess what that also means is that when you go through the good parts and you go through the celebration moments, you have people to walk that out with you too. Because it's really hard to celebrate. We're not going to celebrate to the same extent, you know, for you. If you come up to me and I've never heard anything about your story and you're like, my kid just got a B on a test. And I'm like, that's great, you know. But really, we didn't know that your kid was getting Fs for like the last three years and they finally got their first B. That's going to bring so much more celebration to the table. It's going to be a lot harder to celebrate with you, you know, your marriage coming back together when we didn't even know it fell apart. You know, it's going to be a lot harder to lift you up in prayer for that, you know, medical thing when we didn't even know that there was a diagnosis. So let people into the dark parts so that we can also celebrate with you appropriately in the good parts and you have people rallying with you and I got permission to share this they're not here today Uh, maybe they'll watch we'll see but some of you guys know our really awesome great friends Amy and Sean Mallet and Amy and Sean um, you can bring it up Frank Amy and Sean this week went to the Philippines and after years and years of you know wanting their own family they have their own family and (laughs) They brought home a beautiful girl this week. Her name's Angel. It's the girl they prayed for. It's the girl they picked. It's the girl who picked them back. And they are just an amazing couple. Amazing couple. Some of you guys know them. But I tell you, I I told myself ahead of time I wasn't going to cry. But every single time Amy told me an update about their journey and getting closer to get their little girl, I would just weep and weep and weep. Happy tears. Because I know how badly they wanted her. I know how badly they wanted her and how much they prayed for her and how much so many of you have prayed for her. And so this poor girl, please don't overwhelm her when you see her. She probably needs some time to adjust, but this is like a sneak peek at her. If you're like, who's that girl with them? It's their daughter, Angel. And so we just want to give her the warmest welcome to Canada when you do see them. But that, my friends, that doesn't come from, you know, we, it's hard to celebrate to the same extent if we don't let people in, you know, for the good and the bad. I'm just going to leave you with that for a second. I'm going to ask you these questions because I'm running out of time and I could tell that and I'm sorry. But um, I just want to challenge you, friends. What would it take for you to slow down and have margin in your schedule if you were to prioritize people instead of being a slave to your to-do list? What would it look like for you, friends, to engage people in meaningful, two-sided conversation where both people are talking. What would it look like, friends? What would your life look like, friends, if you confessed your sins and your struggles to someone out loud and you stopped fighting those battles in the dark by yourself? Who do you have in your life that you can be vulnerable with? 
Who do you have in your life that you could be real with? Who do you have in your life that you could let in? Because everyone needs somebody. And if you feel like you are well-connected today, that's amazing. That's an incredible gift. And you are the minority. And I would challenge you, who can you look for to invite in to your circle, to invite over to your table and into your home and get them connected? Because all, every single one of us was designed and created for true connection. Now I'll get you to close your eyes. <clears throat> God, I thank you so much for every single person here. And I thank you, God, um, for their lives. And I thank you, Jesus, that uh, you love them. You love every single one of us, whether we know you or not. And Jesus, I just pray that you would help us fight against isolation, that you would help us fight against disconnection, and that you would help us be so purposeful about true connection with others. God, that we would look for those who are lonely, and we would look to connect with them. God, that we would, um, you know, look for other people in our lives who we can open up to and be real and vulnerable with. And God, we just also celebrate Amy and Sean and Angel and their being together and just pray a blessing over them in Jesus' name that, um, yes, that she would just uh, love Canada and love her new home and love her new doggy. And um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for them and we celebrate um, your goodness in our lives, in their lives. We thank you, God. Thank you that you are the author of connection and the giver of life. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So on that note, there are prayer people. If you feel like, you know, um, you need to open up about something, the prayer people are trained. They have to keep their stuff confidential. And so if you need to talk to them, talk to them. If that means that they are the starting point in your healing journey. Or maybe you just need prayer being lifted up about stuff that's going on, struggles that you have. Go and let them share in that burden with you. And if you have a praise report and you want to tell them because they prayed for you two months ago, go and tell them because that will encourage them also. And then they can celebrate with you. So other than that, have a great time, friends. Go and get some coffee and tea on the house.